<laughs> Hallelujah. I'm on. I am so, so blessed to be here. I actually got back really late Saturday night, around midnight, from I was in Uganda and Kenya. And we saw some awesome things. Uh, in April, I did a whole month tour all over um, Switzerland and France. I even got to do a Catholic conference to eight or 900 plus, 800 plus Catholic people on fire and hungry for God. Something is happening over there. Then I was, and I, I went to Haiti. And um, we had been teaching for the last two years, 280, 274 to be exact, ministers for, or on a period of two years. I've uh, been teaching them and I've been giving them my curriculums on divine healing, righteousness, prosperity, prayer. I mean, and, and they're taking them and going all over the island, teaching leaders. So there are a lot of things going on. And tomorrow morning, I just unpack my bags and tomorrow morning I'm leaving for Quebec. So it, it's, it's good. And I want to thank you. I just want to thank you because as one of your missionary, I could not do what I do if you guys were not there behind me, you know, praying for me and sending me out. Amen. So I want to thank you for allowing me. And like my husband always says, when I go, you go, and my reward is your reward. Amen. So thank you so much. But there's nothing like preaching in your home church. And I was really looking forward to it. Um, I'd just like to open with a word of prayer. Amen. Father, we just thank you so much. Holy Spirit, we, take, we are conscious of your presence. You are not just with us, among us, but you are in us. We are not temple of the Holy Ghost. And so we appreciate your, your presence and we thank you for your anointing. And I ask you tonight and I thank you that we have ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart ready to receive and understand. And I ask you, Holy Spirit, I ask you to help me to teach tonight with all simplicity and all clarity that even a little child can understand and do your word. And Father, Father, I pray in the name of Jesus, and I pray that whatever is happening tonight would give you glory and, and be a blessing to you, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. You know, there, there is a song that I heard that was powerful. He said, I see healing in this place. I see heaven. I see the presence. And, 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 and there is really something that gets, it gets ready to happen in this place. You know, I, I really believe with all of my heart that this church is going to be part of a move or a revival or something that God is going to do in this part of the country. And, and, but you know, one thing I know, um, for, for something to happen in this church, it means that it's not just from behind the pulpit. It's something that's going to happen in your midst. Right, first in your heart and in your midst. Because you are the one, you are the glorious church. Just repeat after me, I am the glorious church. You might want to say it with a little bit more conviction. I am the glorious church. That means that you have a call of God in these last days to bring forth healing to the, to the people out there, to bring good news to the people out there. And you know, it's not just the ministers that I call, it's you, the church. We are called to bring the message and bring it with power. But you know, I know that healing only takes place through faith. Just like salvation happens through faith. The power of God happens through faith. The gifts of, of, of the Holy Spirit will flow, but through faith. That's what the Word of God says in Ephesians 2.8. For by grace have we been saved through faith. But you know, I read a scripture this morning. I was reading my Bible like I try to do every morning. And I saw a verse that kind of, you know, jerked me a little bit. In Luke chapter 18, verse 8, it says that Jesus says, When the Son of Man comes back in the earth, will he find faith? You know what that shows me? Number one, that Jesus is going to be looking for it. And the question is, will he find it? 
I mean, for Jesus, who, who is the omega, the alpha and the omega, who knows the beginning and the end and everything in between, for him, him to say, will I find faith on the earth? That tells me that that's something God is looking for and he's question mark, am I going to find a people? that are going to be full of faith, walking by faith, speaking by faith, uh, uh, prophesying by faith, healing the sick by faith, exercising authority by faith. It's silent in this Catholic church tonight. Dominus Patre. But it is the truth. And that means that God is looking for faith. Why? Because you see, Jesus said in Luke 12, I believe it is, he says, it is God's pleasure to give us the kingdom. God is giving us the kingdom. But what is the kingdom? The kingdom is we've been given everything. We've been given the word, the Holy Spirit to exercise authority and to bring the kingdom of God on the earth. And Jesus said that your will be done on heaven in, in, on earth as it is in heaven. Do you know? That's what I believe we are called to do. To bring heaven down here on earth. To manifest heaven down here on earth. Look at your neighbor and say, you called to manifest heaven here on earth. Right? Pastor Donna, you are called to manifest heaven right down here on earth. You can be a little piece of heaven to somebody out there. We are called, but it, 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 it's only going to happen through faith because the mode of operation of the kingdom of God is faith. Everything that needs to happen in the kingdom of God has to be done by faith. And Jesus said, when I come back, will I find faith on the earth? And we know the Bible says, Romans 1.17, that the just, which means you and I, because we are just and righteous, we are the righteousness of God. He says, they have to live by faith. You and I have to live by faith. And I love that in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it says, walk by faith, not by sight. We are called to live by faith, to walk by faith. And you know, I love that because the Bible says in Hebrew eleven six, 6, it said, without faith, it is to please God. Without faith, and that's what we, and so, you know, I got stirred up this morning when I saw that verse. And I'm like, if Jesus is looking for faith, and he's expecting us to live by faith, to walk by faith, to walk in victory, this is the victory that overcomes our problem, the world, even our faith. How many of you know we, are, we get hit by trials? We get hit by problems. We get hit by sickness. We get hit right and left by problems. I hear it all around. But you know, God, he doesn't want us to stay in our problem. No, he wants us to go through. And we can do it by faith. But you know what that tells me? That means that we have got to learn, you and I, to learn to walk by faith. But you know, I found the problem is most people don't even know what faith is. And I'll hear people say, Audrey, I love God. I love God. Well, you know what? Yes, it's good. We love God. But faith doesn't have anything to do with loving God. You can love God and not walk by faith and not have any faith or don't even know what faith is all about. So that means that you and I, but you know, we just saw in 2 Corinthians 5, 17, it said that we are called to walk by faith and not by sight. But unfortunately, I go around and, you know, I, I hear and I watch and I see the church, and I'm going to put with a big C, all over the world, you know, they are there, Asking God for something more. Give us more power. Oh God, and I see the church looking for a burning bush experience. God, we want a burning bush experience. God, give us, you know, I want to see a light like Paul saw. Oh God, I want a, a, a sign. I want something to see something. I want to feel something. Well, first of all, I'm going to do a little parenthesis. You know that Moses, that saw a burning bush, it wasn't a compliment to him. He'd been wandering around for 40 years, sidetracked. And God had to knock him out and bring him a spectacular 
burning bush. And God had to move in the physical, in the sense realm in order to get his attention. That's not a compliment for him. And, 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 and Paul, Saul at the time, his heart was so hardened that God had to knock him out the horse. And you know what Jesus even said? But that is not a people, you see, to ask God for a burning bush experience or for a sign or for a vision. It, it is not a people that is walking by faith. It's a people that is walking by the five senses. And you know, Jesus said, uh, both in Matthew chapter 12 and in Matthew 16, once after the other, he says, a people who ask for a sign is a evil an adulterous generation. You know what that means, an adulterous, to be an adulterer? It means you're married, and it means your wife or your husband is not enough. You need something else. So when Jesus said, here a generation that asked for a vision, a sign, a burning bush experience, or something in the five sense realm, it's a generation who was given the word of God, who was given the Holy Spirit, who was given everything, and yet they say, well, that's not enough. I want to feel something. I want to see something. But you know what? We've got to move. God is expect is expecting bigger from us, higher from us. God wants us to stop trying to feel things and see things and go through the five senses. And God wants us to learn to go a little higher and start learning to walk by faith. So tonight, if you don't mind, that was just my introduction, by the way. Tonight, if you don't mind, I'd like to go back to the basics. Go back to the basics and find out how do you walk by faith? Because that's what God is looking for. That's what God is expecting from us, glorious church. To do signs and wonders, to walk in the power of the Son of God, because we are sons of God. To walk in authority and to go and manifest heaven here on earth. We've got you and I to learn to walk by faith. But then the question is, what is faith? Faith is not something, it's not, like I said, it's not just loving God. Faith is not, you know, something that God just gives to a few. Faith, I mean, the, the best definition that I see, it's in Hebrew 11, verse 1. It says, faith is the, the, the substance of things we hope for, the evidence of things not seen. Now, let me give you the everyday English, according to the, the gospel of Audrey. <laughs> faith is being completely persuaded, convinced and persuaded of something you cannot see, feel, or perceive through your five, five senses. But you know that you know, that you know, that you know, that you know that it is real. That's what faith, and of course we know in the book of Hebrew, there is a whole list of people who walked by faith. You know, and we saw that you, they received the promises of God by faith. They overcame problems by faith. They exercised authority by faith. They did all kind of miracles and things through and by faith. But I'm not going to talk about every one of those people. It would take a whole week. But I, I just want to talk about two people that I think really show and express so well what faith is and what faith is not. Because God took enough time to write all the victories in the Bible, but he put a few failures so we could learn through the mistakes of others. Hallelujah. And so we see, if you go with me, in Romans chapter 4, in Romans chapter 4, you brought your Bible, whether it's a paper Bible, digital Bible, phone Bible, whatever Bible, as long as it's the word of God, it's good. Romans chapter 4, in verse, starting with verse 19, talking about Abraham. I want to talk about Abraham because he's called the father of faith. And why was he called the father of faith? He was not weak. I want you to underline weak, W-E-A-K. He was not weak in faith, for he did not consider his own body 
already dead since he was about 100 years old, and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promise of God through unbelief, but he was strengthened or he was strong in faith. I want you to underline if you if you got a Bible, strong or strengthened in faith, giving glory to God. And why? Because he was fully convinced or persuaded that what God had promised, he was also able to perform. Now, we find out here that Abraham was strong in faith. He was not weak, but he was strong in faith. But why? Because when God told him, your wife is going to bear a son, Abraham chose to believe what God said instead of what he felt. Now, here's a guy 100 years old. He sees himself in the mirror, in the mirror if they had mirrors at the time, I don't know. He looks at himself 100 years old. And then, of course, he looks at Sarah and he's like, she's pretty, but I know she can't have any children. She could not even, she's 90 years old. How many of you have seen a woman bearing children at 90 years old? Any, anybody? Nobody. 90 years old, she could not bear any children. Even when she was 16, she couldn't. But Abraham looks at Sarah, looks at himself, but he refused to consider or to focus or to look at what he saw and what he felt. Instead, he chose to believe what God said. He was not moved by what he saw. He was only moved by what God said. In another word, Abraham walked by faith and not by what he saw or what he felt. But on the opposite, you've got another guy, and it's found in John chapter 20. You know who I'm talking about, right? In John chapter 20, after Jesus rose from the dead, it said that he went and was among the disciples. There were 10 of them because Judas hung himself, and Thomas wasn't there. And all the disciples got so excited. Jesus is risen from the dead. Well, a few days later, they saw Thomas. And they say, Thomas, we have seen the Lord. He is risen. And what did Thomas say? Unless I can see the hole in his hands and put my finger in it and really feel it. And unless I can see the hole in his side and put my hand so I can really feel it. I will not believe. And so, of course, we see that a day later, Jesus again appears in the upper room. And he's there among the disciples. And I would love to be a little mouse to see that. Because he looked at Thomas. Jesus is standing. He looks at Thomas and he says, uh, son, come here. Of course, there was no condemnation. But he was going to use that moment to teach him something. And what is it that he taught him? He said, Thomas, son, come here. Look at my holes. Put your fingers. Come on, feel it. Go ahead. No, here my, my, my side. Go ahead, put your hand. You can look at it and feel it. And all of a sudden, Thomas falls and said, Oh, my Lord and my God. And Jesus looks at him and said, Thomas, because you saw and you felt, now you believe. Blessed are those who do not see yet believe. Or you could say healed are those who do not feel anything, they yet they believe. Now you see here that Jesus is asking us or commanding us or expecting us to believe in something we cannot see or we cannot feel. Jesus is expecting us to believe in something you cannot see or you can. How can you do that? Now let me ask you a question. How many of you tonight, you, you woke up this morning, you believe that God is real? Let me ask you, how many of you believe God is real? Okay, well, you know, all of us. Now, how many of you this morning, you woke up and on the side of your bed, the Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, whoa, and they spoke to you, good morning. And then all of a sudden, I mean, there was a perfume in your room, the perfume of God. And oh, and all of a sudden, I mean, Jesus came and gave you a big hug. Anybody this morning? Oh, we don't have too many. No, nobody. But yet, you believe that God is real. Congratulations. Give yourself an hand because you have faith. That was very weak. 
Well, you see, so many times we're like, oh, if only I had faith. If only I, no, you have faith. And faith is very simple. By the very fact that you believe that God is real and you choose the morning to go look up and talk to him and come to church to hear about a God you cannot see, feel, or hear with your big ears, dear. This is faith. How many of you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God? Okay. How many of you believe he died on the cross? was buried in a tomb, and then rose from the dead. All of us. Now, how many of you were there 2,000 years ago? You were there with Mary at the cross, and you saw him nailed. Anybody? How many of them were there with Mary Magdalene at the tomb, waiting for him to come out? Anybody? None of you. But yet you believe. You believe that Jesus is real, that he died, that he rose from the dead. You believe. But that's faith. You believe in somebody and something that you have absolutely no physical proof. You cannot see or feel it. That is faith at its simple, at its simplest. And that's what God is expecting us, for us to walk by faith, to be willing to, to believe in something that you cannot see, feel. You see, but how can we do that? For you to believe that God is real, for you to believe that Jesus is real and willing to believe in him and talk to him and walk by faith in that you got, you had to understand that we are part of two different worlds. You believe that there is an earthly kingdom that we walk in. You can touch it, hear, feel, see, correct? But you also understand that there is another kingdom Another realm. And that's what in Colossians chapter 1, verse 15, it said that Jesus is the image of the invisible God. And then in verse 16, it says, For by him all things were created, both visible and invisible. Jesus created two different worlds. The earth that is visible and heaven or the spirit spirit world which is invisible and that's where God lives and it is in this world that all anything we ever need to walk in victory is that's where your healing is that's where your blessings are that's where everything you'll ever need is that's what the Bible says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3 say that God has blessed us with all how many all spiritual blessings in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. You know what that tells me? That all those blessings that have been given to me have been placed in that spirit world, which is spiritual, which means invisible. You see, when you see the word heaven or the word spirit or the world, you automatically could add the word invisible. Because what is of the kingdom of God, what is in heaven, what is of the spirit is real, but it's invisible. And so all everything that we ever need in this life to walk in authority, to walk in the blessings of God, to manifest the kingdom of God here on earth has already been given to us. But it is it's been put in the spirit. It's there in the spirit world. Look at that scripture with me if you don't mind. Go with me to 1 Peter chapter 1. Or oh, excuse me, 2 Peter. No, excuse me, 1 Peter. Anybody's got a right to make a mistake once in a while, right? 1 Peter. Only one person agrees with me. Thank you, Bob. You're my friend. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who, according to his abundant mercy, has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And verse 4, he has begotten us to an inheritance incorruptible and undefiled that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. 
Hallelujah. In another word, here the Bible says that anything that we'll ever need to manifest God and the kingdom of God here on, on this earth has already been given to us, but it's reserved. It's our inheritance and it's reserved right in the spirit, in the like I would say, a spiritual bank account. It's there to protect it, to keep it right there for us. But how do we access it? By faith. And what is faith? Faith is being willing to be persuaded, convinced of something you cannot see and you cannot feel. Are you with me tonight? Yeah. Hallelujah. But you said, okay, Audrey, you said that everything that I ever need to live this life in victory, in authority, to manifest heaven here on earth has already been given to me, but it's in the spirit, but the spirit is invisible. Then how do I know what's there? How do I know what belongs to me? How do I know what's been given to me? How do I know what you ask or what you believe for? That's a good question, right? Well, Paul answered that question in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 18. He says, while we do not look at the things which are seen, but the things which are not seen. Wait a second, Paul. You are telling us to look at the unseen. That does is not much help, is it? How do you look at the unseen? Some people will go, I don't see anything. How do you look at the unseen? Well, let me ask you this question. Sharon, can I borrow this? What is this? The word, a Bible. You know what I would call this? I call this a spiritual window. A spiritual window. And every time you open it, you know what it shows you? It shows you what's in the spirit world. So you can look at what is unseen, what is in the spirit. That's how you find out that angels exist. Every one of us, we've got angels assigned. You know, there's all kind of angels right here around us. All kind of angels. And how did I know that, that there are angels following me everywhere or just behind me waiting? How did I know that? I opened my spiritual window. And I found out in Hebrew 1.14, he says, Are not angels ministering spirit sent forth to minister to the heirs of salvation? I also saw in Psalm 103 verse 20, he says, oh, That the angels are being that excel in strength, heeding to the voice of his word. And so, this Bible is a spiritual window. And every time you open your Bible, it allows you to see in the spirit. John, Jesus said, my word is spirit. When you open your Bible, especially for us in the epistles of Paul, which are the letters to the church, it allows you to see what has been given to you. What is part of your inheritance? What, who you are, what you can do, what you have in the spirit. What is there part of your inheritance? You open your Bible and hear, whoa, I've got healing in my inheritance. Healing is given to me. You see, I've got blessings. I've got prosperity winning for me. Oh, I've got wisdom. I've got, oh, anything that I need to live in victory, it's right there. And that's how, that's why the Bible says, thanks Sharon. That's why the Bible says in Romans 1.17, it says that faith comes by hearing, hearing the word of God. When you open your Bible, it gives you insight. It gives you, a, it, 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 it reveals to you what is in the spirit. And then it brings you conviction, persuasion, that you know, that you know that it's real. It is, it's there. Because with your eyes, you cannot see it. But you open your window, your Bible, and all of a sudden, it reveals to you, whoa, there is healing. And then, not only does it reveal it to you, but it starts persuading you. It starts bringing you a conviction, a persuasion that you know that it's not only just there, but it's real. It's there. It is a real thing, and it's given to you. That's how that you get to that place where you start all of a sudden walking by faith and not by sight. 
But you know, I always hear people that said, oh, Audrey, you know, I, I, I need a lot of faith. I, you don't know my problem. You don't know my problem. I need big faith. Because, of course, you know, we read in the Bible where Jesus would look at people's faith and he would say, for example, Peter, who walked on water, he says, oh, you of little faith. Why did you doubt, Peter? But then he looked at the centurion who said, I don't need you to come to my house. Just speak the word. My servant will be healed. Jesus was amazed and said, whoa, I've not seen so great faith all in, in all of Israel. So we see that, yes, through the Bible, it talks about people who had little faith or great faith. And so you see people, and I hear people say, oh, I need lots of faith. I need big faith. And that's the problem of the church today. They are, they are not moving in the power of God and the authority. Why? Because they're there waiting to get more faith. I've got big faith to do the, the works of God. I need big faith. But you know, when Jesus was talking about little faith and big faith, he was not talking about quantity. He was not talking about quantity. He was actually talking about quality. The quality of it. You remember what we read in Romans chapter 4, verse 19 and 20? He said that Abraham was not weak in faith, but he was strong in faith. And when I studied that, you know, and sometimes I love it. When I travel all around the world, I remember one time I was in Burma. And, you know, I believe it's Hudson Taylor who translated the, the, the Bible into Burmese. And then when he translated great faith, he translated it strong faith. And when he translated little faith, he translated it weak faith. And so I looked into it, and I discovered that the word for little faith, it's actually oligopistos. And it means a faith that is weak, and it starts, but it gives up halfway. Example, Peter. Now question, did Peter, when he got out of the boat, did he have faith? Yes, he did. He had faith. He walked on the water, but what happened all of a sudden? He stopped believing what God said, and started to walk by side and look around and thought, ooh, he could feel the wind and the waves. And then what happened? His faith stopped. And that's why Jesus said, oh, you of weak faith. In other words, your faith started and it gave up. But on the other, uh, you see the centurion when Jesus, you had great, what did he have great faith? Because he said, I don't need to see you come to my house or feel anything. Just speak the word. I'm not going to be moved by what I feel. and say, I just speak the word. The word is enough. Jesus had great faith. And you see, Jesus was not talking about quantity because that's the problem today. People are waiting and they, they are waiting for something more. Like an epiphany. You know, I'm going to wait where I'm going to feel something. I'm going to get big faith. Then I'm going to exercise authority. Then I'm going to lay hands on the sick. Then I'm going to be the glorious church. But here Jesus wasn't talking about quantity. He was talking about quality of faith. Because look at what he said in Matthew 17. When the disciple asked Jesus, Jesus, increase our faith. Like many Christians today, give us more faith. And what did Jesus answer? If you have faith as a mustard seed, verse 20. I mean, how big is a mustard seed? Coming with a mustard seed. No, mustard seed is very small. Jesus says, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will speak to the tree and it will obey you. And then he said, and nothing shall be impossible. You know what Jesus said? You don't need more faith. You don't need huge faith because if you have faith, just as a mustard seed, you can speak to the mountain, to the tree. It's going to move. It's going to obey. And nothing will be impossible. But then, to answer the question, the next verse, Jesus starts a little story. And he says, and most of the time we read that story and we think he's changing subject. <laughs> no, he's answering the very question. He says, and how many of you, if you have a servant that is in the field and come back, you tell him to sit down, to rest, to do nothing. Now, how many of you have your own business or you're a boss? You have people under you. Raise your hand. You're a boss. You have people under you. Okay. In the morning when you come to work, sir, 
and your people are under you, do you tell them, okay, I know you came, just sit down. Don't, don't do too much today. Just sit down. Don't do anything. Don't work. No. If somebody is under you and you pay them, like my husband's got an employee and he paid them, I guarantee you, and I hear him all the time, he expects them to go and go to work. That's the point Jesus was trying to make. And he says, how many of you, if you've got a servant, you tell him, don't do anything. Take it easy. Sit down and rest. No. The point Jesus was trying to make is, you don't need more faith. Because if you got faith as a master seed, you can do the impossible. But if you got a servant, you pay him to work. You don't tell him to go and do nothing. What do you expect of that servant? You expect it to work. Jesus is saying, you don't need more faith. Even if you got faith as a mustard seed, you just need to put that faith to work. You've got to start exercising that faith and put it to work. Like a servant, the faith, your faith is there to accomplish something, to do something, to bring results. But most people today, their faith is a couch potato. Their faith is not doing anything. And Jesus said, no, you don't need more faith. Stop praying for more faith. Stop asking for more faith. If you've got faith as a mustard seed, you can accomplish the impossible. But that little bit of faith you've got, you've got to put it to work. You've got to put it to exercise. And let me say that to help. It helped me understand it. You see, in the Bible, the physical the uh, uh, physical is very growth is very similar to spiritual growth. And I like to compare faith to our spiritual muscles, just like we've got physical muscles, right? Yeah, right. And I mean, you know, here is something interesting with our physical muscles. Do you know that every one of us, when you were born, a little baby, we kind of all look the same, didn't we? I mean, my brother here kind of looked very similar to my brother Phil here and my brother here. And I probably look very similar to you. I mean, we all look little babies. And you know that, that they say, I don't know how many thousands of muscles we have in our body. But we were all given at birth the exact same amount of muscles. But what we do with our muscles will will determine whether you are weak or you're strong. And I mean, have you ever seen a bodybuilder? Have you seen a bodybuilder? I mean, they walk, got big neck and they walk like this. Now, what is the difference between a bodybuilder and me? What is the difference? The difference I'm going to tell you is that he spent eight, nine, maybe ten hours a day <clears throat> Exercising his muscle. I mean, the guy, and what happened? Because he put his muscles to work. Hours after hours after hours. His, he didn't get more muscles. He got stronger muscle. But me, you can tell I haven't spent a whole lot of time at the gym. But now let me ask you this. Would it be correct for me to go to Mr. Bodybuilder and say, would you please lay hands on me because I want your muscles? Would you please give me your muscles? Lay hands on me so I can get your muscles. Take it. I mean, the, the bodybuilder would laugh at my face. He said, ladies, I ain't going to give you nothing. You just got to go to work like I did. I mean, it would be, we wouldn't even think about doing that, right? But yet we do it in the spirit all the time. People who come to me and say, Audrey, would you pray for me that I, I can get your faith? I'm praying for nothing. But here is something, a truth also that we know about spiritual, uh, physical growth. It's a, a man, a bodybuilder who spent so that time building his muscles. And he's got strong muscle and he can lift up maybe 200 pounds. I don't know how much they weigh, they lift. You know, 200, 300 pounds. You know, what would happen to that man if he got in a car accident and all of a sudden he's in bed, laying in bed for six months doing nothing? What would happen to his big muscles? They would shrink, wouldn't they? It's called atrophy. 
You see, well, it's very similar in the spirit. Listen to those verses. In Romans chapter 12, verse 3, it says we were all given the measure of faith. Not a measure of faith. Because people think, well, Pastor Farrell, he was giving a big bucket of faith. But me, I was going a little teaspoon of faith. No, no, no. The Bible says we were all given the measure of faith. But then there will be those that said, well, you know, Audrey, Pastor Farrell was given, or Pastor Donna were given, or Pastor Rachel, I mean, they were given like, all, like a, a, a special faith. You know, spell, I mean, like Paul has a special faith. But me, I'm just a little Christian. No, no, listen to this. In the book of Peter, the, the, now here is the apostle Peter. The apostle Peter, you remember, who walked in the streets of Jerusalem. And it said that his shadows healed people. And did all kind of miracles. Peter, who pulled a man right there at the gate beautiful and said, rise up and walk. Amen. Peter who did all kind of exploit. And listen to what Peter said. Hallelujah. I believe it is in 2 Peter 1.1. 1, 1. It says, Simon Peter, a bond servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us, by the righteousness of God and Savior Jesus Christ. Woo! Peter is saying, you have obtained the exact same kind of faith I had. Right. You see, you were not dealt a different hand. Peter had a special faith. Jesus had a, no, no, we were given the measure of faith. And actually, we were given the faith of Jesus. The like precious faith that Peter, Paul, Jesus, the same kind of faith. And remember Jesus said, you don't need more faith. You, whatever measure of faith you were given, you need now to put it to work. And you know what happened? The, the problem is that I, I cannot ask somebody else to give me their faith. No, I was dealt the measure of faith and I've got to put it to work exercise it so that that faith becomes not bigger but stronger stronger but what happened what happened amen if i it's by putting my faith to work that it becomes strong and mature that's what james 2:20 he says for by works faith is made perfect or made mature it's by putting it our faith to work that it becomes strong. And then, of course, James 2.20 says, faith without work is dead. In other words, you were given the measure of faith. But if you never put it to work, you never exercise it, then what happened to your faith? It does not produce any result. And you see the problem, and you hear Christian Oliver crying out to God, needing healing, needing things, wanting to, to overcome the problem. But most Christians today, they think, well, if healing is the will of God, it's going to happen. God, do something if you can. You know, like that man who had a little boy who was epileptic, went to Jesus, Lord, if you can do anything, have compassion of us. How did Jesus answer? He says, if I can, uh -huh. if you can believe. For all things are possible to him who believes. You see, everything was given to us. It's been given to us in the spirit realm. But it is through our faith you get a hold of it. Being willing first to, to di discover what has been given to you. And become persuaded that it's real. And it's there waiting for you in the spirit. It's given to you. It's there. And being willing to start walking. Not by what you feel and see, but by what you know from the word of God. That's the reason why. You see in, you see in the book of James. Chapter 1 verse 2. Uh, James says counted it all joy. My brethren. When you encounter all kind of trials. And, and, and problems. Counted it all joy. And we've been taught some people teach. Thank God not in this church. But some people teach. We know God is sending the trial. 
to test your faith. God is sending the trial to perfect. No, God is not sending the trial. The Bible says in Mark 4 that trials and persecution and tribulation come because of the word from the devil. But here is the good news. When we have a trial, when we have a problem, when we have a need, when we have a challenge, it is an opportunity. We can count it all joy because it's an opportunity to exercise our faith. And when we exercise our faith, then we're like, man, it's going to get stronger. And the stronger it gets. Glory to God. Stronger our faith gets, the more we can punch the devil in the eye. You see? And that's why, you know, I remember in 1999 when I was in my living room and I found out I had bone cancer. And, you know, it didn't feel good. Not only the news, but the cancer. But I, all of a sudden, I heard a word from the Holy Ghost that says, the joy of the Lord will be your strength. Right there I had a word and I started to tap in the joy of God. I didn't feel like it. I didn't feel like laughing. I didn't feel like rejoicing. I didn't feel a thing. But by faith, you see, I'm not moved by what I feel. By faith, I said, Lord, you're telling me that joy will be my strength. So I'm going to, I'm by faith, I'm going to tap in that joy. Right there in my living room, I started ha, 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 he, 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 ho, ho, ho. And I went there for 15 minutes. And after 15 minutes, all of a sudden, it was like a something that just bursted out of my I started to laugh and laugh, rolling on the floor. And at that moment, I had a revelation that instead of feeling like a victim, I could be a victor. And I, that's what I understood what Paul, what James meant, what Peter meant when he says, counted it all joy, my brethren. Counted it all joy when you go through any kind of trial because there is a testing of your faith. And your faith, when it's tested, it will prove pure and strong and genuine. And at that moment, I had a revelation that it was my big opportunity to glorify God. And I knew that that thing didn't come from, the, from God but from the devil. And I knew, man, I had exercised my muscles before. Nah. Here we go, here we go, devil. But you know, let me say something, and then we'll close in a little bit. You thought I'd say in a minute, huh? Uh-huh. You see, like muscle, what would you think if, if you know, Mr. Bodybuilder, I mean, he exercises his muscle so much, and then he's going, mm, lifting up 200 pounds. Or 250 pounds, I don't know. What, what, would, what would happen if I looked at him and I said, He's got, I've got muscles too. We were given the same amount of muscles. I'm going to lift up. And I'd go and try to lift up 250 pounds. What would happen to me? I'd have longer arms. And I could hurt myself. Or I couldn't do it to start with. I would hurt myself. That's what, the, the, that's what Jesus said, to build a house upon the rock. It means, you see, that's why people all, you know, all through life, they never exercise their faith. They never put their faith to work, never. And then something big happens, and all of a sudden, panic, you know. And, 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 and they're trying to build a house in the middle of the storm. And they're trying to lift up 250 kilos. And thank God for God's mercy. Because through the gifts of the Holy Spirit, sometimes those people can get helped and get healed with the help of the gifts of the Holy Spirit. But by the simple faith, faith has a spiritual muscle that has to be exercised. And you know, I remember when I found out that I had bone cancer, it wasn't a problem for me because all for 30 years, I had learned to exercise my muscle. If I had a sprained ankle, I believe God exercised my faith. If I had a headache, I believe God. If I had appendicitis, I believe God. Whatever came out in, 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 in not just the, the healing part, but in the financial part. In the, any kind of area of our life, we, have, we don't see problem as problem. Oh, why God? Why me? No, no. We should look at it and say, oh, hallelujah, another opportunity to exercise my faith. Right. You know, and let me get back 
because that, that, that helps somebody maybe. I remember when I first started to learn realities of faith. 30 years ago, I was, God had, I got saved. God told me to pack my two bags and to give everything, to sell everything and move to the United States from France. And so I arrived in the States, Tulsa, Oklahoma. Unfortunately, I didn't have a coat and it was cold. If you've ever been in Oklahoma in the winter, there was that much ice on the windshield all over the trees. I mean, it was cold. And I thought, ooh, I better start exercising my faith really quick. Really quick. And then I went, I remember, went to the store. And I, and I, and I said, okay, if I'm going to have a coat, I might as well have a nice coat. So I found a beautiful coat. I mean, it was nice. And it was expensive. And I didn't have any money. And I say, okay, God, I believe you for this coat. And I believe it's your will. And I thank you for it. I receive it. Thank you, Lord. I believe it. But here is the key. Nobody knew about it but just God and me. And I saw it not as, oh, well, my God, you called me in the States. And here I am by myself without a coat. I'm cold. Why? I didn't know. I just saw it. all, And it's like, it's just an opportunity to put my faith to work. I'm learning about faith. I need to put it to work. And so I went to the store and saw that beautiful coat, lay hands on it, said, this is my coat. Thank you, Father. And then a few weeks later, and I don't know how long it took, maybe two months. Uh, and I'm going to shorten the story. But a, a, a lady came to me with a brown paper bag, bag all wrinkled up. All, and she came, she said, well, I don't know why, but God told me to give you this. And she put that on my table. And I look at it like, what is it? You never know what's in the brown paper bag. <laughs> I opened it, of course, you know, the coat. And it was not just your plain gray, brown, beige coat. It was a color. It was like that blue color, like Phil's shirt. I mean, it was not just any kind of coat. It was the coat, the, the brand, the, the size. I mean, to the T. How did that, that happen? Nobody knew about it but just God. And I, how did that happen? Because I saw that moment as an opportunity to exercise my faith. And it sound, might sound trivial like, well, a coat. But you see, that's how my faith got stronger. After that, man, I was like, I can believe for something else. And then it got stronger. I got to believe for something else. And then I got to believe. And now it's with the same faith that I exercise through the years that I can lay hands on the sick and see the deaf hear, the blind see, and the people get out of wheelchair. It's the same faith, but it's a th faith that has been exercised. So you see, you don't need more faith. You have faith. You've been given the measure of faith, the exact same faith that Peter, Paul, and Jesus had. You were not short-chained. You just haven't put it to work. You have just have, you know, it's easier when a problem comes. It's easier when a need arises. It's easier when a, a, you know, whatever challenge, it's easier to do it the easy way. And unfortunately, we've often done it the easy way. But we've got now to say, young people, listen to me. Start early. Start early believing for things. Instead of going to mommy and daddy to ask for something, start exercising your faith to believe for stuff, to believe for things to happen for you. I'm telling you, start early. Start exercising your faith. If you want to go on a mission trip, start using your faith to raise money. What an odd question. What an odd thing. But I'm telling you what, when you start using every little opportunity, whatever it is to start putting pressure on your faith, to exercise, it's going to get stronger and stronger. Because you know what? I want Jesus to come back and say, that's my people. I came and I'm finding faith. Because they could do it the easy way, but now they choose to exercise their faith to believe God. I'm telling you, Lily. You're going to become so bodybuilder in the faith. Hallelujah. Amen. And you said, but how do we exercise? I mean, I just said uh, opportunity. Exercise your authority. Believe, exercise faith to get your needs met. To exercise authority. 
Now let me give you one little example on how to exercise authority by faith and then we really close. Well, I promise. Uh, because that's one way you can exercise authority. In the kingdom of God, it's not that we're trying to, to, to obtain things from God. What we really, we are defending and protecting what God has already given us. And we exercise authority in the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said. I give you the keys of the kingdom. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose or you allow on earth will be loosed and allowed in the spirit in heaven. And so we've got, but we've got to do it by faith. And when we do it by faith, man, we exercise authority. I remember when I was in India in 1995, I was doing a crusade and they, there were thousands and thousands of people and they brought a woman to me who was demon possessed. She had worshiped the snake for so long that she had become one. She was possessed by the, the demon, uh, de demons and her body would twirl, her head would spin, her tongue would come out of her mouth and a hissing would come out of her throat. And so they brought her to me. Well, I knew I had authority. And so I looked at her and I, you know, I looked, I said, in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And then I waited and looked. And what happened? Nothing happened. So I went again and I said, I tell you in the name of Jesus, come out of her. And then I waited and looked. What happened? Nothing. And then you know what happened? My voice got higher and higher and higher. My I studied, I tried everything. I took her, I shook her, I put her down, I took her back up. I mean, I tried everything. And then I, I mean, I'd get, I got so frustrated. And that went on for 10 to 15 minutes until I heard the voice of the Holy Spirit said, how many times are you gonna cast the demon out of her? Shocked me. When I see her free, see her free. And then the Holy Ghost kind of rebuked me. He said, don't you know that one word in my name is enough? And he says, you are walking by sight and not by faith. At that moment, I knew exactly what he meant. That when you exercise faith, when you exercise authority, you have to do it by faith. When you speak to the sickness, you have to do it by faith. When you speak to the demon, you do it by faith. When you speak to the bills, you do it by faith. When you speak to things, you do it by faith. And so I understood what he said. So I said, okay. So I went back to the woman, took her, and I said, now look at me in the eyes. You know, somebody who is demon possessed will not look at you straight in the eyes. So I said, look at me over here. And I said, I'm going to tell you one more time. In the name of Jesus, come out of the woman. And then what did I do? I left her there and I went to the next people. And then I went to the next, pray for the next, pray for the next, pray for the next. But you know, the whole time I'm praying for those other people, everything in me is wanting to see what's happening down there. Why? Because we are so used to walk by sight, by what we see and feel, instead of walking by faith. And you know, I said, I, resist. I said, no, I will not. Because the moment, here it is, friends, the moment you go back into the realm of the five senses, the devil will beat you up every time. Because he's a God of the world. He's a, he, he, is, he knows how to move in this realm. And, but we've got to learn to walk by faith and not by sight. So I refuse to go back into the, what I saw in the five sense realm. And I, and I said, oh, I'm staying in faith. And faith says, God said, I speak in the name of Jesus. That's enough. So don't go back into the, every time you go back in the sense realm, he will defeat you. Stay in the faith realm. And the faith realm is convinced, persuaded of something it cannot see or feel. Why? Because the word of God says so. And you know the next day, I'm back on the, and by the time I, I got to the end, I mean there were hundreds of people. By the time I got at the end of the line, I forgot about her. But the next day I'm on the, the podium doing the praise and worship, and I see that woman 
worshiping God like an angel, totally free. And I have applied this truth of walking by faith and not by sight every time I exercise authority, every time I deal with the, the and, I, and I exercise authority in the kingdom of God. And stay in faith. So we are sons of God and we're learning to walk by faith and not by sight, by what we feel or see. Amen? Amen. And you know that is when we really please God. That's when we really please God is we stop asking for a sign, for a burning bush, for a vision or something that we can feel and see. And we start now believing what the word of God say and walk by faith and not by sight. Hallelujah. Father, I just thank you. I thank you for the word tonight, Lord. I pray that that word will go deep into our heart to produce forth fruit. That we are here in this church, a people of God that is walking by faith. That is not moved by what it sees and feels, but it walking by faith. Because in this house, these people, Lord, you have called us to do supernatural things supernatural things to be sons of the kingdom and to bring heaven here on earth so lord we thank you for the word i pray that that word will explode inside every one of our heart and lord will help us to walk by faith and not by sight in jesus name amen hallelujah